Good evening and happy Martin Luther King Jr. Federal Holiday Day. Today is January 20th, 2020, and we have a lot to discuss today. It is a controversial day here in the Commonwealth of Virginia on a day that is usually reserved for peaceful marches and church services and university observances and organizations, corporations. If you go to your social media feeds today, beginning this morning, you'll see all kind of Dr. King quotes and all kind of uh, celebrations and uh, commemorations in his honor on this day. A little history before we get started. The Martin Luther King Jr. federal holiday was a bill that was put in by the late Congressman John Conyers of Michigan, and it began actually in 1968 He began submitting the bill, and it took until the 1980s uh, for the bill to pass and become law. It had a great deal of opposition, particularly from the South and from Southern leaders. Uh, Ironically, um, the Republican Party of the 1980s is not the Republican Party of the 2020s. My point is, is that the Martin Luther King Jr. federal holiday bill was signed into law by Ronald Wilson Reagan, the 40th president of the United States of America. And I know that that's a fact a lot of people often don't know. President Reagan and John McCain and a whole handful of Republican legislators and leaders actually opposed the Dr. King holiday. But it was Coretta Scott King, the widow of Dr. King, now the late widow of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who persisted. Uh, To borrow a phrase from Elizabeth Warren, um, she persisted and she never gave up on the dream She never gave up on the federal holiday, and it became law in 1983. I remember it well. I was a high school student, and I was in my sophomore year. I remember watching it on television and the signing in the Rose Garden. It was a beautiful day. But another fact that most people don't know is that once the holiday passed in 1983, it did not become law in the sense of being um, enacted in schools and being enacted in states and communities until 1986. So it took three years. And it wasn't until the year 2000, 2000, that all 50 states and territories actually honored the federal holiday in honor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I want to talk about a lot today. We've had a a restless and um, unfortunate day here in Virginia, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment uh, in Richmond on a day that, again, is usually reserved for peace, commemorations, uh, church services, uh, great quotations from Dr. King, replaying of the I Have a Dream speech. I saw numerous uh, interviews done with his children, his surviving children. There are three, Dexter, Uh, Bernice and Martin III. Martin has a daughter, so Dr. King has a granddaughter who is alive and well, and the legacy continues, and it uh, continues to um, teach us. It continues to warn us. It continues to unite us in a very divided time. Uh, I want to talk about two things today uh, on this Dr. King holiday. Uh, I had a guest lined up for today, someone fabulous that I was excited to bring to you, but because of my schedule and hers, we couldn't make it work. But I will have her as our first guest for Black History Month, which is coming up in the month of February, so stay tuned. I'm looking forward to having Reed Galen from the Lincoln Project uh, on, or Project Lincoln, I should call it. I'm a senior advisor to Project Lincoln as well, and that is a group of conservatives and former Republicans and independents who have come together 
to really um, oppose those things which are not constitutional, to stand up against what we believe is an assault, not just on the Constitution, but on America itself. And uh, we have, uh, if you don't know who we are, look up Project Lincoln, uh, check out the hashtag on Twitter, or go on Facebook, uh, learn about us. Uh, you've seen that as one of my bylines on television when I'm on CNN. Expect to see a lot of me over the next three weeks as we cover impeachment. None of us knows how long this trial will be. Uh, that is all going to be worked out as the trial starts probably tomorrow. And uh, so stay tuned and thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the kind things you say on Twitter. Uh, even the unkind things, um, uh, words don't break me. I'm tough. I can handle it. I always want to hear people's opinions and their thoughts, even when they're not my own. So let's talk about Richmond, uh, Virginia today and the rally, the pro-gun uh, rights rally that took place in Richmond, Virginia today. Thank God there was no violence and there were no injuries or no deaths, as was happened in Charlottesville, in Charlottesville uh, Virginia in 2017, a tragic uh, march, a racist march, a white supremacist march. Let's just call it what it is. A young white girl was um, murdered uh, by a man who I can only describe as possessed by hatred and and, and evil who took his car and ran it into the crowd. And uh, Heather Heyer uh, passed, unfortunately, a young woman who was attending the march uh, with others who were uh, severely injured. And uh, in Richmond, there was a lot of concern. The governor had declared a state of emergency before the rally, uh, which was put together by gun rights activists, NRA folks, etc. And you know what? That's okay. Let me say at the outset, I am 100% for people having the right to protest, the right to assemble, the right to free speech. That's guaranteed to all of us in the Bill of Rights. What I don't like as someone who is a gun owner, an avid gun owner, who belongs to a, a shooting club, who uh, believes strongly in that Second Amendment, believes strongly in it, I have issues with the violence that we see. I have issues with uh, non-police and non-military having ammo and, and access to weapons of mass destruction that, what do you need to do that to shoot a deer? To what? What are you going to do with it? Uh, we see the violence. We see what happened in Las Vegas. We see what happened in Aurora. We see what happened down at uh, Virginia Tech. We see what happened at um, the other places in this country like El Paso. And we, we've seen um, Ohio and we've seen Florida in the nightclub and we've seen um, the violence in churches in uh, Springs, Texas, and of course uh, in the Charleston AME Historic Church. And so every one of these uh, killings, by the way, was linked in some form or fashion to some type of white supremacist, neo-Nazi type of behavior. So I want to be clear that we understand that law-abiding citizens who own guns to protect themselves, to hunt, to be sportsmen, those people are right they are right to stand up for their rights, their right to speak up for their rights. But I want to challenge, as I did today on my Facebook page, and it's been hopping, there's been a lot of fighting, and you know, I'll allow it to go on for a while, but what I won't tolerate is people who try to change my words and try to come and start nonsense. I don't do that on people's page, and I was really offended by a couple comments today that because people like myself and people in the media raised the proper point, don't miss this, the FBI released a series of Facebook posts that they had uncovered leading up to the march in Virginia today 
that were straight out racist. They were disgusting. They were foul. They were attacking civil rights. They were attacking Dr. King and they were attacking people of color and they were talking about hanging people up and lynching them. And I never see any of these people having any commentary about that. I never see any of these people who say that they want their rights protected defending the rights of others. And that's where I draw the line. You need to unfriend me. You need to unfollow me. If you can't defend what is right and righteous, if you can't stand up against racism and supremacy, if you can't stand up for all of us to have the same free speech that you want, if you can't respect that we have a second amendment, but we also have a first amendment that protects the free press, then you're the problem. You're a big problem. And so in this country, we are divided. We are angry. We're vicious to each other and we're incivil. And that, that bothers me. And I really just, um, I think what really is upsetting to me and to others is that on today, when you think of the reason behind this federal holiday and the people that worked so hard to make sure it happened, like I said, from the 60s to the 80s to make sure that Dr. King was properly honored with a federal holiday, I I think that it is disrespectful and um, I don't even have the right words to, on a day that honors a man who was assassinated by an assault rifle, by a white supremacist, and to then have a march and to do it on the day that honors him and to uh, go out with long guns, to be in tactical gear, to intimidate other people out of their free speech. Look, guys, I'm not going to go and If I'm in a restaurant, if I'm in a Starbucks, I was in a Starbucks today. If somebody walks in in an open carry state like Virginia is, And I see that they have a holster of weapons. I'm running the hell out the door. I'm not waiting around to see if they're friendly or nice or if they're just buying a cup of coffee like me. My first assumption, as would be yours and anyone else's, if you see someone walking and he's holstered up with guns, you think he's come to kill you, your kids and everybody else in the Starbucks. That might not be that person's intent. But this is the problem when you've got these laws and these open carry laws and things where people can just walk around with assault weapons or with rifles or with shotguns. I mean, that is the law. And I think that reasonable people should agree that we never want to take away the right to keep and bear arms. That's fundamental to who we are. It's, it's an underpinning of our republic and our democracy. And I, for one, would uh, vehemently oppose anybody who was trying to take away guns. But I also don't want little kids frightened. I don't want to be frightened. I don't want to go into a movie theater and see somebody with weapons. I assume they're there to kill us in the theater. I mean, this is the world we live in. I don't want to see somebody walking in the church hosted up with a bunch of weapons. I assume that they're there to kill us. And so I think that we're going to have to talk about this. And we're going to have to talk about the undertones and the undercurrents that deal with race and that deal with class and that deal with region. And... If we don't begin to talk about this, we're coming apart at the seams. I've said it. Go back and listen to the very first podcast I did and why I started this podcast about American unity and American exceptionalism and American greatness and American um, defiance and American liberty and American freedom and American uh, just everything about us that makes us unique in all the world. We're losing that because we're divided And we're fighting each other and we're attacking each other. And that is not going to allow this nation to stand. A house divided against itself can never stand. It will fall and it will fail. I just want to say a few things about Dr. King as I wrap this up today. And like I said, during Black History Month, I'm going to have a number of guests on who will absolutely 
uh, positively uh, reflect on Dr. King and we'll talk more about the holiday and we'll talk about um, uh, more about this uh, the Second Amendment issue. And again, I want to be fair. So I want to have some folks on who are uh, pro-gun. Uh, I'm pro-gun. I'm pro-Second Amendment. But I want to have some experts on from both sides. Uh, that I would like to maybe even have a little bit of a debate with um, and, and, and let them explain to you, the listeners, what it is that they believe in and what they believe is at stake, because I think that's how we protect democracy and that's how we protect government. I, um, I'd like to just end this uh, podcast uh, with a couple of thoughts about Dr. King. One, I think that when you look through the course of human history, there are a few individuals, and we could name them. We all may have different ones that we admire, but Dr. King is certainly up in the ranks of the most exceptional human beings that have ever walked this earth. And I think that um, there comes a time when you have to take a stand. And Dr. King took a stand, and he took a stand against violence and he took a stand against racism, and he took a stand against poverty, and he took a stand against hopelessness, and he took a stand against anger. And through the sheer force of personality and modeling and example and and through coalitions and coordinating, Dr. King was able to truly affect change in a country that was still living in a segregated Jim Crow South where black people who had had the right since slavery to vote could not still vote and unterrorized and without uh, laws that gave them, um, you know, they had to pay to vote or they had to name um, every part of the Constitution by memory and, and poll taxes and, and it just literacy tests. It was just foul. And Dr. King was able to change things because he believed in America. He believed in uh, the promissory note, as he called it, that Thomas Jefferson spoke of in the Declaration of Independence when Jefferson said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I think that um, it's a powerful thing that light Light will always cover darkness, but darkness can never stamp out light. Think about you could be standing in the darkest room, and if you can find a match, one match, and light up that match, you can find light in that dark room. The opposite is not true. So I want to encourage all of you today to reflect. I want you to sit with your kids, and I want you to talk with them about a race and where we are and ask them how they see it. They see it very differently, by the way, because they're not a generation that's burdened by skin color. They grew up with a black president. They take for granted that there can be a black president. They don't worry about the things we worry about. They're not caught up in the foolishness that we're caught up in. And so at the end of the day, I, I don't know um, how this all ends, but I do know that if we can take a page out of Dr. King's book, if we can take a page of being a drum major for justice, if we can take a page about understanding the power of our voice and the power of goodness and the power of love and the power of light, if we can take a page out of that, we can defeat this darkness that we're in. We can defeat this division that we're in. 
we can defeat the the unkindness and the the ugliness um, of of where we find ourselves today. So um, I will just say that um, I'm praying for a better future for America. I'm praying for uh, goodness. I'm praying for wise men and women to prevail. I'm praying for conversation. I'm praying for courageous conversation. I'm praying for dialogue. I'm praying for uh, us to sit down at the table of humanity and talk to one another and listen to one another and sup with one another and to uh, be a kinder, gentler America. Uh, That's what I'm praying for. And I'm praying for that because I love my country. And I don't like that my country is coming apart at the seams. I don't like that my country is angry and shouting and hoisting guns and 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 just uh, uh, just disrespecting one another and trampling on one another. That's not the best of us. That's not who we want to be. And God knows I will use every means and platform and tool available to me to make sure that that's not how we end up in the the trash heap of history. When when 200 years, when people look back and say, what happened to America? Why did America fall? Why did America fail? Why did it go the way of Rome and and the way of Egypt and the way of all the other great civilizations that man ever knew? And when that question comes The answer will be it was because America was divided. Her house wasn't in order. Good people turned on each other. Good people stopped listening to each other. Good people took the coward's way out. They called names. They they cursed each other out. They did nasty posts on Facebook and Twitter. They they violated their fellow man's rights. That's not how we want to be remembered, my fellow Americans. And so I just want to encourage you today to not to give into the darkness. You know, Dr. King had many, many great quotes. And I, I don't know what your favorite one is, but I would love to hear. So please leave, leave, uh, you know, leave some comments uh, uh, and, and let us know what you think and let us know what you're thinking. You can leave a voicemail. It's one of the things I love about this podcast platform. You can actually leave me a voicemail and, and let us uh, hear from you. But I, I wrote down a couple of my favorite uh, Dr. King quotes, and there are three of them. And then I want to end with this. The first one is... Um, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And then my second favorite Dr. King quote is, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And then finally, one of my other favorite Dr. King quotes is, The time is always right to do what is right. And so those three are my favorite Dr. King quotes. Again, there are many. I I have many in my office, in my journals. Uh, I am uh, humbled that his daughter, Dr. Bernice King, my sorority sister, uh, is the cover quote on the Eplorbus One book. Now is a great time to pick up a copy of Eplorbus One. It's a great book. It's a great read. And uh, I think it'll bless you. I think it'll help you understand this country, how it was founded, and the great men and women of both parties of North, South, East, West who formed this great union and kept perfecting this great union to make us a better people. That's why I do this podcast. That's why I I, I am so vigilant and passionate about America. So thank you for listening today. Thank you for those that honored this holiday today. Thank you for reading something to your kids tonight. Read the letter from a Birmingham jail. Read it. Read it out loud. 
read it at your dinner table, discuss it with the kids. Let's get back to some old school stuff. Let's put down the phone, put down the iPads, put down the devices, and let's talk to our kids. Let's talk to our neighbors. Let's have some fellowship. Let's let's discuss things together. Um, that's how we're going to preserve this union, and that's how we're going to preserve this great America. I thank you uh, again to all of our listeners around the world. I thank you to our listeners uh, here in America. I thank you uh, for what you do for me and supporting me. I couldn't do what I do without you. God bless you. God keep you. And God bless the United States of America.